Today is Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate our one God in three persons. Three in one and one in three. It is also Father's Day, where we celebrate fathers and the influence of fathers in society. In the church, Mother's Day is often the day that mothers can compel the entire family to go to church. Father's Day is the day, yeah. Father's Day is the day where fathers who aren't inclined to go to church get the rest of the family to skip with them. But since I am a father and a father, it seems like a good day to talk about God the Father and also fatherhood. I love this line we heard from Romans, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul is talking about faith, but some days that's a pretty great description of being a father, especially if you have teenagers. It is important for us to always remember that all of our language for God is metaphorical. When we say God the Father, we are not talking about a male. Likewise, we must see the Bible in the context of the patriarchal society in which it was written. While there are passages depicting God as acting like a mother, the role of the father became part of the religious imagination of the people and then was applied to God. The use of the word father for God is always relational. We sometimes use it like a title, but it is meant to describe a relationship, both the relationship within the Trinity and our relationship with God. But it is in the context of this relationship where God the Father has gotten a little complicated. Honor was a pivotal value in the biblical world. One of the commandments states, honor your father and your mother. The primary way that you honored your father in those days was through obedience. So it's not hard to see how obedience to God the Father became a core religious value. Of course, through history, the church positioned itself as the arbiter of people's relationship with God, in effect, making obedience to the church on par with obedience to God. Then you throw in priests called Father. Historically, all of this coincided with a loss of the metaphorical nature of the term God the Father. God the Father over time became the dominant and almost literal view of the first person of the Trinity. When we forget that Father is a metaphorical term for God, we blur the lines between God and human fathers. Obedience to a human father or a religious father becomes akin to obedience to God. And if you have had a difficult relationship with your father, 
or have been abused by your father or any father, then God the Father is not the source of comfort, love, or joy that is intended. Fortunately, we are recovering the sense of God the Father as metaphorical language. And we are recovering the ancient use of mother language for God. The merry, merry month of May we observe here at St. John's where we use feminine language for the divine and lift up the prayers and hymns of women is an example of this. Recovering Father as metaphorical language allows us to distinguish more clearly between God and human fathers. The spiritual writer and theological professor Roberta Bondi wrote of the revelation she had that God the Father expected less of her than her human father. Her human father wanted achievement and accomplishment. God the Father wanted a relationship. Which brings me to Father's Day. The origin of our Father's Day dates to June of 1910 in Spokane, Washington. A woman who had heard a Mother's Day sermon was inspired to try and create a day to honor fathers. Her own father was a Civil War veteran and a single parent to six children. She launched a campaign with churches that resulted in sermons honoring fathers being preached throughout Spokane. By the 1930s, Father's Day had become a thoroughly commercial holiday that was primarily promoted by the Association of Men's Wear Retailers. <laughs> Hence the dreaded Father's Day tie. But it did begin as a religious observance in the U.S. In other parts of Christendom, fathers and fatherhood had been celebrated as part of St. Joseph's Day for centuries. Possibly as early as the 4th or 5th century in the Coptic Church. St. Joseph is known as the nurturer of the Lord and the adoptive father of Jesus. Joseph is honored for his faithfulness to God, Mary, and Jesus. Culturally, he could have dismissed the pregnant Mary but he did not. We don't know much about Joseph, except that he was a father to Jesus in the way that God asked him to be. And in him, we see a way for Christians to reflect on fatherhood in light of God the Father. St. Athanasius said that human fatherhood is merely an imperfect participation in God's divine fatherhood. So on this Trinity Sunday and Father's Day, instead of attaching baggage to God based on human fathers, let us see the calling of fathers and fatherhood in light of the ways in which God is a father to us.
central to our faith is that we are all adopted by God because God created us and loves us. God loves us so much that God gave God's only Son for us. In the Trinity, we see God the Father, the source of all, in a co-equal relationship with the Son and the Spirit. We see a God who is relational and who wants to be as a Father to us. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And so the glory of a human father, whether biological or adoptive, should be a child fully alive. One way this happens, and fathers really need to work more on this, is by sharing our faith with our children. My wife and I have entered the empty nest phase of our lives, and I have been reflecting a lot on if I was a good father to my children when they were growing up? Did I help equip them to be adults? Did they know how much I love them and how proud I am of them? It's been said that God loves you is the only sermon you ever really need to preach. There is a lot more to parenting than saying, I love you. But parenting without saying it and showing it is missing something. I was recently with my younger brother and his kids who are younger than my kids, and at times it was like watching a video of myself as a younger parent. I had forgotten just how much I used threats (laughs) in my parenting. Threats of grounding or losing use of a phone or a game or getting to do things. All to get my kids to do what I wanted them to do. Is that really the effective way to parent? Is that really what I would learn from God the Father? I don't think so. I have a wonderful father and I love him very much. He traveled a lot for work when I was a kid, and that certainly impacted our relationship when I was younger. And I know that that is a very real issue for many fathers in our church. As I said at the beginning, God the Father is not a title but a relational term. What we see again and again is a God who wants to be in relationship with us. A God who just wants to be our God. A God who makes and renews covenants with us and who keeps God's promises to us. For those of us who are fathers, how do we live in relationship with our children? What are our covenants and promises to them? And how do we keep them? The number one complaint I hear from parents in Marin is how much of their lives are spent driving their children to their sporting practices and events or some kind of lesson. And I I get it, and I coached my son's father or my son's soccer team. But sometimes when I talk to these parents, it sounds 
as if their lives are no longer their own, but are rather captive to the activities of their children. But who is in charge of this relationship? Who are the fathers and mothers here? This is a choice. What we see of God in the beginning of creation is that the goal is Sabbath, not work. As Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time to just be in relationship. A time to not accomplish or achieve anything but love and rest. Where is that Sabbath space in your fathering? I don't claim that Amy and I were the best parents ever, but one rule we had in our house that I think worked was that our kids could have one sport or activity at a time because it was important for them and for us to actually have time. One of the most unique things about the Christian faith is the importance of forgiveness. It is important to forgive our fathers. If my father has sins, they are sins of omission, things he didn't do, not things that he did. I wish my father had traveled less for work when I was young. But at the same time, that work was what made so many of the things we ended up doing together possible. It made so much of the life I lived possible. As fathers, we also need to forgive ourselves for we have fallen for where we have fallen short as fathers and then rededicate ourselves. A clergy friend of mine preached a wonderful sermon on parenting where he recounted the story of Noah and the flood and noted that even God messed up God's first try at parenting. And that whole Noah and the flood scene leads God to a new covenant where God basically said, I will set a rainbow in the sky to remind myself to be a better parent. There is always time for a fresh start. There is always time to be a father in the way we are meant to experience God as Father. Let us pray. O Lord our God, creator of heaven and earth, through your Son Jesus Christ you have revealed yourself as a heavenly Father to all of your children. Bless, we pray, all earthly fathers. Strengthen them to nurture, protect, and guide the children entrusted to their care. Instill within them the virtues of love and patience. May they be slow to anger and quick to forgive. And through the ministrations of your Holy Spirit, may all fathers be strong and steadfast examples of faithfulness, responsibility, and loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.